Hello, everyone. Welcome to Show Hoppers. We are covering The Leftovers, Season 3, Episode 5. It's a Matt, 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 Matt world. I am Mr. Sal. I teach high school science and I love The Leftovers. This is my third watch through of The Leftovers. I'm here with a former student who's never seen The Leftovers before. This is Kurt. How you doing, Kurt? I'm doing quite well, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been an honor. I'm very excited to uh, finally be part of Show Hoppers. <laughs> How many episodes in are we? we we've got to be, what, 50 plus in, right? In terms of the total we made, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, I think, yeah, probably fifty plus then. Oh, we have to. actually. This is this is episode twenty five of the leftovers, and we did two recap shows. Plus, we've done uh, that many of Lost. So, plus some Black Mirror, yeah, and plus <laughs> so Black more, yeah. so more than fifty. Yeah, so so new to the podcast is Kurt. I'm, Kurt. Uh, I'm the recurring guest. Yeah, Hi, yeah. <laughs> for tax purposes, recurring guest. There you go. <laughs> You get the and credit in the beginning of the opening credits. Ah, oh, yeah. The Leftovers, Season 3, Episode 5, and Kurt. <laughs> Kurt, you've been looking forward to the Matt episode of Season 3 for a very long time. That I have, yeah. Yeah, you're, you, you're a Matt kind of guy. When you, If I say, who's your favorite uh, Jameson, you say Matt. I mean, what other Jameson would you pick? Nora! Oh yeah, I forget that they're related. Yeah, <laughs> once you yeah. Yeah, they are okay. brother and sister. But so I'm I'm just looking back now at your previous Matt ratings, mm-hmm. and it looks like you somehow rated two boats and a helicopter as an eight. Although I feel like if you had to, if you could retcon that, you'd probably give that one like a ten. Uh, nine. It's a nine. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is what you gave to No Room at the Inn, which. That also is a little surprising to me that you didn't give that a 10, but um, it wasn't surprising to me at the time. At the time, it's like 10s were really rare for you. Then the end of season two of The Left. I just give them all like candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I this is personally my favorite Matt episode of the of the Matt trilogy. Uh, and I'm I'm guessing it probably is your favorite as well. Uh, the question is, the question that I have is, do you, did you give it that 10 or did you stick with the nine and just say, this is a better nine than no room at the end? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you gave this a 10. I gave this a 10. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I like Madeline, you know, I will say though, I am, I'm kind of like, I feel taken advantage of or just like. The writers are just okay. I talked. We talked about during International Assassin. What a what a gutsy move by the writers to do what they did. Yes. Like hell, this is the same thing. They literally like, well, we've had this universe. Let's just get like a lion cult in here that are having an orgy, and we'll just yeah, that's fine. That should work. <laughs> seems, seems about right. We'll have someone that's calling himself God walking around. That'll upset Matt. Yeah. Like like what the hell? <laughs> um. Okay. Well, in defense of the lion cult, uh. I don't think that is actually far from the truth. Uh, listen, I still give it a 10. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying quite outrageous of what they've done. <laughs> they've done just, it is. Just, just blanket us all together. I'm like, eh, you know, let's just <laughs> mix well, all these things together now. As we only have, like, what, three more episodes left in the series now? That's it. Yeah. 
<laughs> so the, the fourth to last episode, we have all this like whatever. I just, <laughs> just what, most what of it takes place on a on an orgy boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and but as far as Fraser the Lion goes, uh, we almost started talking about this before we press record on the podcast uh, this that that's a real story like there there actually was a lion called Frazier who was 91 and impregnated a whole bunch of lionesses in California and and uh saved of, species and, yeah, I don't know if he saved the species but saved his he, bloodline his bloodline for sure and uh ended up uh being quite the cult icon so uh, the, I mean very popular song which I sent you uh, a link to which i have i which i don't know we can if we if you want to post in the show notes go for it but um sarah vaughn song uh sarah vaughn's pretty well-known singer uh and pretty interesting song pretty pretty catchy it's used in the closing credits of this episode so i i don't know this i understand what you're saying that that they uh do the craziest stuff three four episodes from the end of the series but uh i don't think i'd put this in a class with say international assassin because no no it's not it's not as outrageous as international assassin yeah. i'm not even saying i hated it it's just yeah. somewhat gutsy i don't know just it shows the universe building they've done of just they kind of yeah i i, I didn't really bat an eye all that much I'm like, okay it's yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah. a lot of weirdos in this sort of place <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's good stuff. I love it too. I I give this as a ten as well. Um, but honestly, I mean honestly, I'm pretty much gonna ten it out at this point. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be hard to guess what I give an episode of The Leftovers from this point forward. So, so I forget. Do you like season three or season two more? I still prefer season two. Um, but. I mean, season three is just, it's, there's not, uh, how do I want to say this? I mean, because there's only eight episodes, there's even, it's even leaner than even season two is. Yeah. I mean, all these episodes are very lean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, season two is very lean, but this is like, man, there's, there's no waste at all here. And and it's, it's really, I, I guess I guess I, I prefer season two. Um, I think mostly because of the setting. I love everything about Jarden. It just really does it for me. Uh, and, and I do love the Australia setting in season three here. But at the same time, I, I miss being in Jarden, being in Miracle and the mystique that surrounds that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I I love this episode too, and I'm I'm glad that I'm glad you loved it. I had a feeling that you would. Uh, this is for sure my favorite of the Matt trilogy as well, uh, and I, I I love that other characters are incorporated into, it, especially Lori. I mean, Lori in this episode as a foil to Matt is just so perfect to me. Yeah, uh, I do like you get more Mike John this season as well, but yeah, especially Lori. Yeah. This is her flag in the sand. Yeah, I mean, this is this is clearly you know science versus faith is is prevalent in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like 
very blatantly so. Yeah, they're very, uh, very mirroring to like the last episode we had done uh, just last week. That's right. Man of Science versus Man of Faith. Well, literally the name of the episode. So yes, I guess oh, this case was not a man, but you know, right? It was there. Versus was not in the title. That was my mistake. It's just Man of Science, Man of Faith. Yeah. How presumptuous of you to assume that they must fight just because they have a different ideology? <laughs> exactly. Kurt, do you speak French? No. <laughs> Neither do I. So... Merci beaucoup. <laughs> yeah, French fries. I messed up somewhere in there, but hey, that was not bad. I know French fries, French toast. Uh-huh. Uh, that's terrible. I'm sorry, but uh, the opening credits are are not set to music this time. No, I was trying. I was like, is this is this a song or is this a French distress? <laughs> like I was like, I don't know what this yeah. is. Yeah, no, this is a this is a French prayer. Well, I mean, it's a prayer that's said in French. Wow. Yeah. Did you happen to look up what the translation of this prayer is? No, I had no clue how to go about that. I mean, I guess I could have used subtitles then. Right. Do that from there. Oh, people have already done it, but you would probably have spoiled. Yeah, I don't want to do anything. I never want to look up anything like that in terms of yeah. uh, leftovers. I'll look up like words or something, but yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well, let me let me be. Uh the uh the great filter the, uh, yeah I'll, I'll be the filter here so i can tell you what this prayer said okay okay yeah would you like that i i, I would very much so appreciate that yeah it, it involves I, I might even say thank you oh cool it involves a dragon egg <laughs> you're lying to me i'm not That's all right this is the prayer roughly translated According to this person who, who roughly translated it. I'm the only hope, the last defense of a species about to be extinct. Demonists warned us, the wise scientists of the truth. They said these creatures would come seven years after the first ones were taken, seven years after the departure. And God, we were blind, blind to what we didn't want to see, now we're about to stagger to the precipice of destruction. As soon as this monster was born, we ended. Because this monster is about to end mankind with its seven heads and its seven firing mouths, we only have one last hope, the egg. In the demonist's cards, I found it, hidden in a nest, a volcano in the sea. Thank God for technology. In our progress, we made the weapon to end all weapons, the nuclear bomb. Now its terrible power can be our salvation. If its explosion can break the fragile shell and melt the demon inside. God, may this missile fly right and let him find the nest of the volcano. And may the egg be not hatched so this beast about to be born could be destroyed before it rises to destroy the world. Okay, so this is this is the explanation for why this guy does what he does to us. Exactly. Uh, so they, they, there's another cultist or some sort of belief out there of this dragon, seven-year dragon. Okay. The seven-year dragon with the seven heads. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Translation. I wonder... So this is my... This is the best reason to not want to be bilingual. <laughs> and that, is, that way you can properly not understand stuff when you're not supposed to. 
<laughs> like that. So you think you're not supposed to understand that? I mean, not if I mean I, I think they knew doing that people won't understand it at first. But if you wanted to look into it, right, you can look into it, right? So the extra stuff. But I I always wonder for um for example, and uh, in Lost we have the Quans who are Korean, and they speak, yep. and the other people can't understand them, and they don't subtitle it, and they kind of do it on purpose. Yep. Uh, but I was wondering, like, if you could speak Korean, do you like? Are you just is it, is it really jarring to have to <laughs> hear them speak Korean and you can like completely understand what they're saying? I, I'm sure it's probably it probably adds to the experience. I'm surprised you actually didn't look up what they say in Korean in each of those episodes. You think I should? Yeah, <laughs> I guess you do. <laughs> I okay. Well, for the same reason you don't want to look this up, I don't want to look that up. So, but you do want to know. <laughs> I do. I would love to know, but. So yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. I, you know, watching it for the first time, I, was, I don't speak French, and so I have, I had no idea why this guy was running naked through a submarine and firing a nuke. Well, I don't know. I was running naked still. I I can only assume that the the naked uh, is so that he can make that stretch easier. Like, I guess, but he doesn't can... need to be naked to the front up to us. It's like once he's in there, he seems pretty. He seems pretty like content once you got in that locked room but fair enough yeah no i uh, i'm talking about um to make that stretch from one key to the other yeah no restriction of oh i see but he's already safe when he's in that room like the door's locked behind so him. he could have undressed in that room is what you're yeah, saying yeah 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 okay i guess to save time but he could run faster naked maybe like the weight of his clothing holding it back maybe he's very yeah. aerodynamic nothing nothing uh, nothing holding yeah yeah nothing holding him back. anybody to like grab onto a flap of you know jacket or anything yeah like that. yeah so yeah but literally skin tight yeah yeah, exactly. So I didn't, I didn't know what was going on when I saw this. I did know. I mean, I don't know. If, I'm sure you remember the end of the previous episode. Yeah, I was waiting for what happened about the explosion, and once I saw, once I saw the guy with the key, yeah, and taking someone else's key, I immediately knew this was a nuclear submarine. Right. Because this reminds me of um, uh, like famously during the Cold War, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, mm-hmm. uh, the Soviets almost shot a nuke because one of their um, one of their uh submarines couldn't get in contact and there was a disturbance up above them and that disturbance was like the u.s trying to get them to surface but they thought war had broken out so three people on board had to okay to shoot nuclear weapons two of the three had given the okay but one had not oh wow and because of it there was not a nuclear (laughs) weapon shot so it's like very close but there's all the whole key stuff and whatnot so i did not know that so i uh yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis is a very close time to nuclear war. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, so once I saw the keys, I was like, okay, this is where the this is where the explosion happens from. You guys, rogues. Right. So, yeah, to, to refresh listeners' memories, in the, at the end of the previous episode, uh, when Kevin is trying to leave and he runs into Kevin Sr., all flights are grounded uh, because there was an explosion. That's, that's all they really say at the end of that episode. Now, pri- previously in that episode, uh, when they're when Nora and Kevin are trying to get onto the airplane, there's a guy who can't clear security because he wants to take something on because he's worried about the nuclear event that is going to happen. So yeah, I forgot all about that. that is a, yeah. yeah, so I don't know how he knew about it, but uh, or maybe it was a lucky guess. Who knows? But at any rate, this uh, this happens, <laughs> uh, and once you know the translation of that prayer, it 
it makes a lot more sense. I don't know if it makes a lot more sense, but at least you know why he did it. Yeah, you know, you know the reason. Yeah, the methodology. Exactly. So, that's all uh, from this French submarine. Anything you want to add about this? Uh, no, nothing from the French submarine, really. Okay. So then Matt is who we're going to spend the rest of the episode with, and he pulls up to this house that we haven't seen before. It turns out this is the house of Arturo. Arturo is a pilot whose mother is very sick. Uh, Matt drops by... Uh, making like he's just stopping by to check in on Arturo's mother and make sure everybody's doing okay. He brings a casserole. I mean, wasn't that what he was doing? He's even really uh, good-hearted. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's good-hearted to give him $20,000 to fly him to Australia. <laughs> oh, I thought that was like a donation. Like, uh, like uh, yeah, you know, uh, you should fly me to Australia. But regardless, I'll give you the $20,000. Oh. No, no, no. It was totally, it was totally yeah. but yeah, he... Yeah, you really wanted to go to uh, yeah, uh, land so down under. Matt loves his religious tests. He loves his this is God testing us theories. So Arturo, uh, he wants he wants Arturo to fly him uh, in a what what kind of plane? This is a like a, a foreign aid plane or something like that yeah it's, some, it's something that could allow them in because it's foreign aid technically like some sort of right uh they're a loophole to get through mm-hmm. arturo doesn't want to go because of his mother and also he's confused because matt's been preaching that they need to be in miracle for the anniversary but arturo doesn't know anything about kevin so matt fills him in uh that kevin needs to be in uh in miracle as well and he says this is a test of our faith so matt loves that he eats this right up this type of stuff is it's just right up his alley that's sweet yeah but arturo's buying into it a little bit too he says oh it's a rescue mission <laughs> and and matt dubs he and michael and uh and john as the three wise men i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bring us in the three wise men plus one of our wives. It, well, yeah, but oh, he didn't know about that at yeah, the time. Yeah, but... so when Arturo asks, "Is it just us?" He said, "Just, just us and 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 two others, the three wise men." <laughs> so, I, I mean, I you're you're familiar with the the story of the three yeah, wise yeah. in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, uh, for those of you who aren't uh, at the uh, shortly after. Jesus is born. Three uh, astronomers really show up. Uh, they follow the star to uh, pay homage to Jesus and bring him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So here's here's uh, here's Matt and his buddies dubbing themselves the three wise men going to rescue Kevin. So yeah, but like you said, Lori crashes the party. <laughs> Which was a boys night but Lori's like hey I'm also available ready for a great time but Matt, <laughs> yeah, Matt Matt's is... really anal about it he's like a boys night it's boys night <laughs> he doesn't say that <laughs> he but, doesn't but... but he does not... not want Lori on this trip yeah, not because she's a girl but because of uh, her beliefs right right <laughs> he he's basically tells her you don't grasp what's going on here but she she 
blames Matt for not acknowledging acknowledging Kevin's mental illness and instead turning it into scripture. So she she turns the tables on him and basically uh, says, "No, I'm I'm going." He called me. He didn't call you, and I'm going. <laughs> uh, it turns out neither Kevin nor nor are answering their phones and. Matt would like to know what after Lori insists upon coming along. Matt would like to know if she brought her whistle with her, which is the callback to season one when Lori came out of the guilty remnant house and just blew the whistle in Matt's face. Excellent callback. No, oh, yeah, yeah. So at this point, John intervenes and uh, basically says, we all want to bring Kevin home. That's what we all want. And let's just do this. Let's, let's all make peace and go together. Now, something I wanted to ask you, I, I can't believe I haven't asked you this already. Maybe I have, I don't know. Have I asked you, have you noticed John's glasses in this season? Well, well what about his, I mean, I don't think, I, I know he's wearing glasses now. Yeah. Right. It, have you noticed the shape of them? The circular, the kind of like Harry Potter glasses. Yeah, they're also kind of like Evie's glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forget Evie has Harry Potter glasses. Yeah, so so my thinking is that John wears these glasses as an homage to Evie. So, yeah. Okay. And everybody, so the Guilty Remnant smokes to remember John wears uh, John Lennon glasses to remember. I want, I want to know if they have lenses in them that are corrective at all. That's That's a great question. That would be interesting to know. You know, I'm, I'm, I bet they thought about that, too. I bet that the writers and the actor know whether those glasses are corrective or just for show. Mm-hmm. Because he did not wear glasses in season one. Uh, oh, he could have worn contacts. We don't know, but... Yeah. Contacts are nice. That's someone that wears contacts. You don't wear contacts, right, Mr. Sam? Not. Do you know anyone that wears contacts? Like I know plenty of people that wear contacts. Okay. Yeah. You know me. I, I do. There's one. How do you feel? How do you feel about that context? I would never. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> would never. I just can't. I can't touch my eye. First of all. That's that's how you feel, but I mean, it's like feeling normal when you have contacts. Not not that we're, I I just mean that I have very bad vision, and when I wear glasses, the extremities in my vision I can still see very blurry. Yeah, like, you've eaten this. Yeah. So it's like, so then it's like, it's like, I don't need my glasses. Also, then I can wear sunglasses. Like normally in the summer, I wear them a lot more. The winter, I might not. But. Right. Right. Anyway. You know, I, I, I think we have had this conversation before. I think it was on the Lost podcast, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, when Sawyer got his glasses. I go, yeah. <laughs> right. Contacts, a nice thing to have, not required. There you go. <laughs> not required. Not required. Good to know. Out. If my vision ever deteriorates, I'll remember. Kurt said that contacts are not required. I'm sorry. Be happy that you have great vision. Yeah, I know. I am. I am. But so Matt starts grilling Lori about what Kevin saw because Lori has not told John about Kevin thinking that he saw Evie. Matt doesn't know what Kevin was calling her for. Uh, and he, but he says, whatever it is, he refuses to believe that Kevin is psychotic. And I, I love what Lori's response to this. She says, uh, 
that he had to look through every cupboard to find the wine glasses. He has a misspelled tattoo. And he poops four times a day. And she says, I refuse to believe that he is the, 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 the second coming of Christ. At which point, the plane hits turbulence and Matt folds his arms and just smiles as smugly as you can smile. <laughs> They've had turbulence, aha. Well, yeah, I, I, I do, I do, I do love the Lori's. Like, I know Kevin very well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, the reason Matt's so smug about it is because Lori just like cursed out God. She just yeah. like, was very blasphemous, and it is, it is as though the turbulence was a sign from God smiting Lori because Lori stops in her tracks as well. <laughs> And Matt just could not look more satisfied. Very nice to be on the winning side. <laughs> I guess so. I've been watching Survivor again a lot. Okay. And uh, that's, you know, sometimes, you know Survivor, right? I think most people listening know Survivor. But basically, yep. you get alliances, people vote each other off. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when people know who's going off, you get very smug people, right? Smug is a bug in a rug. They're very happy, very, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's what Matt was here. Very smug. Very oh. happy. He's, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a television character look more satisfying. Anyway, they all get some sleep because. This is a long trip. You're going to have to sleep at some point. And Matt is reading the Bible. Uh, I don't know if you noticed. Mm, You did? Oh, no. I don't know what he was reading in the Bible. I thought he was reading the Bible. (laughs) I think you're going to be very interested to know what he was reading in the Bible. I bet I am. You bet you know? No, I I bet I will be interested in. Okay. So he was reading the book of Daniel. Now, are you familiar with Daniel from the Bible? No. Okay, so Daniel uh, was taken semi-prisoner by uh, King, I think it was King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter what king it was. Uh, and he, as when he was taken, he and a group of people who were young men uh, were taken and kind of trained to be servants directly to the king. Uh, and he kind of was put to the task of trying to interpret like the king's dream. All right, uh, the king did not like his interpretation of the of the dream, and Daniel was thrown into a den of guess what? Wolves. Nope. Oh, lions. Lions. Okay. Daniel was thrown to the lions, uh, and he prayed and prayed. The story goes that he prayed and prayed and an angel put the lions to sleep and he survived the night and the king let him live. Okay. Okay. So, so that's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, now we know how heavily featured a, a lion is going to be in this episode. Yeah. Or lions as well. Uh, if you wanna. That's right. So, so yeah, so it's no, coincidence here that that matt is reading about daniel uh by the way matt did reference daniel earlier in the season uh when he was preaching in the first episode 
I, I, I have no recollection. He, I remember him he, preaching during that parade, but I don't know what he was saying. Yeah, um, and he was preaching, um, and this is when like the, this congregation was overflowing. They were out in the like outside the church listening to his. Oh, this season you mean? Yeah, this, okay. this season. This season one. Okay. Yeah, sorry, episode one of of season three. Sorry. Yeah, and he he references all the references to seven years in the Bible, and one of them is. Daniel telling the king of Babylon that he will lose his mind for seven years. And that's what the king did not like. And that's why Daniel got thrown into lion's den. So uh, it kind of all comes full, full circle here. And, and we're going to see uh, lions play pretty heavily in this episode as well. But all right. So that's, that's the biblical reference that we get from Matt right now. Anything you want to say about that or? No, no. Okay. Uh, so he starts bleeding on the Bible. Now, I don't know if you remember back in episode two, Don't Be Ridiculous, uh, when Matt had a nosebleed and you said that you were going to make a mental note of this nosebleed. Did you make such a mental note? I, I could say yes. <laughs> but that could be a lie. <laughs> Um, I'm struggling to remember what number two in the episode was that don't be ridiculous. Last yes, episode, that is, yeah. When does he have a nosebleed? And don't I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, him and Nora are arguing. Yes, I don't remember arguing about what. Oh, the book. No, they're arguing about Pillar Man. Ah, yes, I remember. He's getting a nosebleed. Oh, yes, another nosebleed. Okay, yes, and uh, I don't, you didn't mentioned this when we saw it so I don't, I don't know if you really noticed it or, or thought anything of it but in episode three crazy, crazy white fellow thinking when kevin senior calls matt and it's the middle of the night matt is like wrapped in a blanket and sweating like crazy it's like, said, i think we commented about how he was sweating yeah he was like sweat was literally dripping off his nose so yeah so matt's been showing signs of illness for this entire season but he bleeds on the aisle uh, on the Bible, and he tries to stealthily take some kind of pills, uh, which he claims they're allergy pills. I, I don't, I don't believe him. I don't know. Do you believe him? I don't know a lot of allergies that make you bleed. <laughs> so. uh, but he tries to do this secretly, but Michael wakes up, uh, and Matt says they're allergy pills. So he, here's Matt lying, which I, I love catching matt and nora in lies because well, they both matt, matt doesn't lie though he does he says this is allergy medicine unless you believe yeah, so so that means yeah sorry i take that back then yeah. must be allergy medicine so you you do believe him well yeah because he doesn't lie fool <laughs> that's a fool <laughs> yeah but but while while michael's awake matt just wants some reassurance for him that he's going to that he's on his side. That he's going to help. Yeah. He's, he tries to shore up his uh, his defense here. Well, I think that he sees, like, okay, if Lori is my adversary, John's going to be a tough sell because he's married to Lori. <laughs> <laughs> so I better hope to God Michael's on my side. Yeah. Let's just help me bring him back. You know, whatever it takes, Mike. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, poor Arturo, who's trying to fly this plane, says they can't land in Melbourne. They've been diverted to Tasmania. 
So, so, so my question here is, is like, could you, in theory, like, why not have some parachutes and they just hop down? I don't need to land. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, this is I'm really like, an emergency. I imagine they have some luggage. Yeah, but like, if you're if you're trying to get Kevin back to um, you know, miracle. This is for the sake of the world, right? For the seventh anniversary. I'm sure. I'm sure you can put luggage on a parachute too. Yeah, like its own parachute. That, or you hold it with you. Yeah. Hmm. Or attach it to you. People parachute with two people at a time, right? Like instructional parachuters, like okay. they'll hook you onto someone. Yeah. I'm sure you can parachute with some luggage. I mean, I would. I imagine you would have to f- have a way to hook secure it. it to yeah, yeah, yeah. Grabbing it and doing it will be very difficult. I agree, but yeah. you can certainly um. If there's a way to secure it. I'm saying they did not have a backup plan here. They should have had some parachutes on the ready. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, probably. It'd be probably. like SEAL Team 6, jump down, operation, get Kevin to go. But instead, this whole episode's, hey, we've got to actually get to Melbourne so we could possibly get Kevin. Who may or may not still be in Melbourne. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> now... I will say this, though. I mean, if they're being diverted away from Melbourne, they may not be allowed to fly over Melbourne. That's fair enough, yeah. We don't know how far out they were before they were diverted. That's right. True. So, so the thing about Tasmania, which is an island off the coast of Australia, is that it is an 11-hour ferry ride to Melbourne. And the only ferry left uh, between right now and two days from now is completely booked. It's been bought out by a private group. So there is nothing that the ticket seller can do to help Matt and company buy his three tickets because he wants to leave Lori out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, apologies for tickets. He yeah. thought he thought it was a thing like Michael's young enough he can ride free. That's what, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what the error was there. I'm sure that's what it was. You tried pulling one of those. <laughs> you ever do that, Mr. Sal? You ever try to like pull pull the sheep's wool over someone's eyes, or is that too incriminating if I ask you that? You ever, you uh, ever go, "Oh, my son, he's definitely three. He should eat free." Yeah. I uh, I don't I I could say that I've never done that. Okay. But that could be a lie. Okay, continuing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you this: I, I, I have I didn't cheat it, okay. Uh, but <laughs> I will say my parents did that too. I I remember once going to the circus. Uh-huh. They tried to say I was younger than I was. I, yeah. I was. I think they said I was six or something, and I was like, "No, I'm seven. And I immediately, <laughs> I immediately opened my big mouth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my big mouth and ruined it. that's that's why i don't ever try to do that because they will definitely ruin it Uh, but i remember taking my son to an amusement park one year my oldest son and he was four so we got him for free okay okay and and then the next year i took him on his birthday so he turned five that day and he went from free to like $30. I was like, dude, that is a steep jump from 
This week in a gradual climb yeah. up. You know, they say this week so when you're turn five into six, it's a dollar every like a like you add twenty cents for every day that they're five. So, <laughs> so yeah, I was like, he's <laughs> <laughs> coming up with the bracketed system that this should be. You guys, this ticket system is too calm, too yeah. simple. <laughs> it was like yesterday he would have been free. Today he's thirty dollars. This is crazy. <laughs> Why is it a Wayne then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that, that was your justification. He's close enough. I, no, I mean, I, I, I told them that it was his birthday, and they gave him a whole bunch of like arcade tokens. So did, did, did they? Did they give it like free as well? Or no, they didn't give let him in for free. Yeah, <laughs> the rules are the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but lots of arcade tokens. A plethora of arcade tokens. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He, won, he won so many tickets that day, he was able to get himself two stickers. <laughs> That's almost exactly what he was able to get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyhow. Yeah, uh, so th- this is going to be... This is going to be tough. They, they have to appeal to the private group in order to get on. As they're on their way to do that, they notice that there is a lion being loaded onto the boat. Interesting choice of animal, given that Matt has been so deeply invested in the book of Daniel this season. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, in order to get onto the boat, they have to appeal to the gatekeeper who has this lion costume on. And they go up to her and all she says is, I'm 91 and I and I've and I haven't a son. I'm 91 and I haven't a son. They have no idea. Matt just admits I don't know what you're talking about. I, I think I think that's a like a, that's a that's like a hint. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a, there's a correct response to that that gets you onto the boat. Yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy will. <laughs> but she she does she doesn't let them on, and but she does let this quote-unquote friend of the captain on without any hassle at all even though he isn't part of their quote-unquote pride so they call themselves a pride which is the name for a group of lions uh but they won't let matt and company on because they don't know this password but they don't even ask this guy in the red hat the password because he's a friend of the captain well that means matt's also a friend of the captain too naturally i forgot yep it, it passed my mind. Yep. Well, me and the captain are best friends. Yeah. My, my bad. <laughs> Sorry, my my apologies. I should have remembered to say, say that earlier. I, I I just thought we were such good friends. Everyone kind of knew, but right. I mean, now now that I've so here here goes honest Matt again lying again, except it just he gets caught in it this time because Michael is right there ready to say no we're not he does exactly what I know. <laughs> he ruins it how dare you oh michael but she doesn't think that they would want to be on this boat because she tells them there's going to be a lot of sex without judgment and if he wants to get on this boat he has to tell her the dirtiest joke that he knows no, not Lori. Yeah. That's not going to work. Matt needs to do it. What did you think of this joke? Good joke. The the pimple in the priest joke? Yeah. It's... 
good joke. It's pretty funny. I, I no. enjoyed the joke immensely. It's, it's really, really gross. So very dirty. Very dirty. It's like, I don't know what Lori was going to say, but I don't think it was anything new. No, it can't beat that. There's no way. <laughs> oh, man. I guess he's like, he's like, you know, he's a holy man. Yeah. <laughs> even dirtier. Great. Oh, God. Wonderful. Yeah, but it impresses the, the gatekeeper enough that she lets them on, but she does give them a warning that when midnight comes, let no man speak his name, lest that man become him. And when asked who is him, she reveals her shirt, which says Frazier. Oh, and they take this literally. Let no man speak his name. Women can. Yeah, right. Yes. Oh, Frazier. Watch out. <laughs> so right. here, here's something that bothers me when it's always something like um. Here, you probably maybe you'll remember the name of these things, but they're not. You're not supposed to feed them after midnight. Those to be turned into like gremlins. Gremlins, yeah. Oh, they're called gremlins. Uh oh. Well, I mean the the movie's called Gremlins, and they turn into gremlins, but I don't remember when they're all nice and stuff. Yeah, I don't remember what they're called. But so what always I I don't remember if the gremlins had this like you know, caveat, but my question to this always is, is like, okay, but when's it good to say Frasier again? Like, so I yeah. get after midnight, right? Okay, fair enough. After midnight, I shouldn't say the name, that, you know, we won't say the F name, I gotcha. But it's like, I mean, it's 3 a.m. now, can I say, can I say, can I say, you know what yet? 6 a.m.? I mean, some people are waking up now, certainly can say Frasier, right? I, I no? totally agree. Like, like, I hate the, I always hate the ambiguity. <laughs> I don't, I don't know when after midnight ends. I know. <laughs> and now we're talking about the next midnight. So I, I was like, okay, after midnight you can't say Frasier, but like when can I say Frasier then? <laughs> well, I mean in this case I, I kinda get it, I guess, because You're right, they're only on there for a limited amount of time. So I guess if it's right. just don't say Frasier for so the rest from of the day. Now to midnight you can say it. After midnight till we get off the boat, you can't. Fair enough. Okay. But but I didn't yeah. think about it that way. That that is a good point. But I totally agree with you otherwise. Like, the gremlins thing has always bothered me. It's like, well, wait wait a minute. When can they eat again? <laughs> oh, <laughs> these poor things are hungry. <laughs> they really guilted you in on it. Like, I swear, 4 a.m. is good. You can, you can feed me by 4. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, on board, John tries to convince Matt that they aren't going to get back to Miracle by the anniversary. Anything that's going to happen, they got to let it go because anything that's going to happen is going to happen in Australia. Uh, And that they are not in control of this. So John is, is very, he's, he's very Zen these days. He is. He's very Zen. He's just roll with the punch. He is scarily Zen. (laughs) What did Lori do to him? Where, where's the John I know and love? Well, that's what Matt wants to know. <laughs> yeah, what happened to the fire? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but Matt still believes that they're... He, I mean, he's holding out to hope like crazy that they're going to get back to Miracle. Uh, and he's, he goes through why Miracle is so important. He got his wife back. He got a son. John says, yeah, well, I lost my wife and my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I love that comeback. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You, 
<laughs> you got two things. I lost two things. Yeah, which it also it always plays into this net zero theory of of Jordan. Like, there's not any evidence of it, but it's it's really hard to disprove it as well. Everything's at zero. Like, like something comes, something leaves. Okay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, 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 what's the Virgil net zero thing then? So Virgil dies. <sighs> Yeah, did anybody come in? I like, mean, I guess, lots, can, can lots I... of people came in after Virgil. Died. I mean... <laughs> Sorry. So Virgil was the he was the big one. Okay. You yeah, Virgil and like Patty now that everyone coming now. <laughs> we cleaned them out. All are welcome. Uh-huh. <laughs> At this point. Okay. But, but anyway, I, I I don't know. So I guess yeah, I guess if Virgil died, I don't. Lori maybe. Huh? Okay. Right. She actually came the same day, and then she came, went she there, came and Virgil in, went, and Virgil yeah. then died. Okay. Like almost immediately after she came in. Yeah. Huh? Oh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> good on you. Oh man, I don't know. That theory always messes with my head. Um, but moving on. Yeah. So, Matt starts bleeding like crazy like way worse than he was bleeding on the plane uh he's bleeding profusely and he he goes into the bathroom to take care of that and there's a a crew member that asks if god punched him in the face uh and and matt's like excuse me what and the the guy tells him there's a guy you know red hat beard likes the top deck uh i've seen many a man get smited by god on this boat <laughs> and Matt has had his curiosity peaked. He must know who this character is who's calling himself God. So he goes up to the top deck and he finds him. Now, did you recognize this guy? I'm trying to think. Um no. You didn't? Well oh, oh at this point, okay, wait. To, I recognized him earlier when he came in as the friend. Of the, he's like the friend oh. of the captain. Right, you recognized him as the friend of the captain. Yeah, but past that now. Okay, so did you catch his name? Ah, Wayne. Wayne? I thought I said Ah, Wayne. I was just earlier. No, I don't know what. His oh name yeah, is. okay. Oh, you're thinking of Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh is is uh the I think it's the Hebrew name for God. Oh, okay. Then, it's no. Hebrew, but um. But no, the, his actual name, and they they do say it a few times. In they do say it. I just I remember when uh, that guy in the bathroom we said it like Awain or something like that. So I was like, okay, sure yeah, that, that was Yahweh. Yahweh. But okay. They, they do say that his name is David Burton. Okay, David do, Burton. Do you remember who David Burton is? I'm trying to think, David Burton does not ring a bell. Oh man. I mean, I mean, they talk about who he is in this place, like an Olympian and whatnot. But yes, I don't know where he is in like. The universal loft leftovers prior to this now okay so oh wait wait no no i remember now wait you're right he's the one that was on the news clip that he came back to life yes in the caves yes where do i see that on the tv for the leftovers though uh in uh off ramp uh laurie and Tom, or tommy was watching it on tv ah yes 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 and is and... that the person who the pillar man sent a letter to it is okay there you go. Okay, the name. Then okay, there you go. Okay, but there's, but there's more, Kurt. Oh my lord! 
Did you not recognize the actor? He's got a beard now, so you wouldn't maybe recognize him. Uh, no, he didn't jump to my mind. I think. Okay. This is the guy who, in the hotel, prompts Kevin to sing karaoke. Really? Is the, is the, is the bridge guy? This is the bridge guy. This is the bridge guy? It's him. I've been looking for the bridge guy. This is the bridge guy? This is the bridge guy. Bit of a letdown, if you ask me. But okay, this is the bridge guy. Why is this a letdown? I you know. I just thought it'd be more interesting. Okay, well, here's... No, here's okay. the... He's a pretty interesting guy. Hey, this <laughs> is the bridge guy. Here's, here's why I think this is so interesting, though. Because Kevin doesn't know this guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he keeps seeing him when he dies. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know him. Mm-hmm. So, the, by the way, the actor's name is Bill Camp. Okay, Bill Camp. Bill Camp. Uh, he keeps seeing him, yeah. Things homeward bound every day. Yeah. <laughs> so he saw him on the bridge, and he saw him uh, in the karaoke bar. So it seems like whenever Kevin has died, David Burton has been uh dead at the same time oh yeah you're right yeah that implies that he must also be dead or at least he's visiting maybe right. he too oh, yeah. has a plastic bag and duct tape at home ah uh-huh. so now that all, all of course assumes that you are buying into the international assassin hotel as being an actual place that kevin goes when he has a near-death experience yes i do okay so if if you buy into that then this feeds right into that because here's this guy that Kevin shouldn't know who also has died and come back from the dead, kind of guiding him along. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you don't believe that International Assassin Hotel is an actual place that Kevin goes when he has a near death experience, then you could justify it by saying, well, maybe Kevin saw the same news clip that Tommy saw and he's manifesting this guy in his own head. Yeah. No, but the hotel's real. I, I mean, come on. I mean, I think that's the implication of the show. But uh, they would claim that they are towing that line between fantasy and insanity. Not fantasy and insanity. Fantasy and reality, I guess. No, though, like fantasy. Fantasy means it's like not real. Exactly. And the the hotel's real. Like I'm starting. I was gonna. Yeah. Okay. I was making a joke about I'm starting to really believe in that hotel, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down that, that line. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna go down that line. So. <laughs> uh, I like to. I would love to believe in that hotel, like in in real life. I think it would be. That'd really be cool, but that's I mean, a dangerous line to go down. Like, hey, well, you know, you die. You might not actually die. You gotta just beat your quest. It's well. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of dangerous to be going. <laughs> I like. I love it. I love it. So anyway, so so this is this this David Burton is a big deal for multiple reasons. We've been hearing about David Burton for a while now, and this is the guy who keeps interacting with Kevin in the hotel, or just outside of the hotel, I suppose. So, uh, but when Matt confronts him, all he does is hand Matt a card <laughs> that says "Yes, I am God" and has all kinds of frequently asked questions on the back with the answers to those questions. You know, I saw this, um, I, 
I saw the Joker movie. He does the same thing. Where he has a card that he hands people. Uh-huh. So, I kind of want to get a card like this that I can hand people. What did the Joker's card say? It was just the Joker? No, no. It's like, um... He has, like, some sort of condition that makes him laugh. Oh, that's right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So, I want to I wanna get a card, though, that I can give people. Okay. Interesting. Now, you just recently saw the Joker because we've talked about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have just recently. Yeah, like, recently. recently yeah, yeah. it's been, like, last, like, two weeks. Yeah. So. Deeply disturbing movie, isn't it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for some. <laughs> okay. Hopefully most. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, this this card uh, really really gets under Matt's skin. This bothers him like crazy. This is blasphemy. But Michael wants him to just let it go. Yeah. Right. He also wants Matt to tell Lori that he's sick. Because she can help. How does he know that she can help? Because she helped John. He says, uh, now Matt says, Lori gave John psychobabble. We give him faith. Yeah, Matt is really taking like the high road here that he does not want uh, Lori's help whatsoever. Right. Well, I think that he doesn't necessarily see any value in Lori's help. Exactly. Which is, I mean, I mean, that might, I don't know. So this is, uh, this is you know kind of the the focal point of their disagreement if if Lori isn't willing to accept some manner of faith then Matt has no use for her and typically and, and similarly if Matt isn't willing to accept some me- measure of science then Lori has no use for his point of view either <laughs> so this is this is a, a this is a really common conflict though I mean, this happens all the time. Yeah. But, you know, now is not the time for this to be happening. You have to galvanize and save the world. Mm. Or just help Kevin if you're Lori. Either you're mad, you gotta get galvanized and save the world, or if you're Lori, just say, oh, well, you know, Kevin really needs some help. Right. So, the, And that's the only, the only thing that they can agree upon is that they, they want to help Kevin. Which they, they both do, but for very different reasons. I don't even know if like Matt really wants to help Kevin so as much as he just wants to help himself slash Miracle or the world. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't even know if he really wants to help Kevin per se. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. Hmm. They both want to get to Kevin. That I can agree on. Yeah. Well, whatever Mike said had some impact on Matt because he goes to talk to Lori. Uh, John is with her at first. He, he gives them some time alone, and Lori tells Matt the story of Frazier. Frazier, the lion, the, uh, the lion on the boat, is a, des- a descendant of the original Frazier. Uh, and this particular lion is bring, being brought from zoo to zoo to quote unquote spread his seed and keep the bloodline going. But Frazier, to sum up, was a 91 year old lion. Uh, who was brought from uh, Mexico to a zoo in California, I think it was. Uh, And the zoo in California had uh, this group of lionesses. I think the number 15 is sticking in my head. Does that sound right to you? I don't remember at all. Okay. I might be making that up. Some number though, yeah. Yeah, uh, there was a whole group of lionesses who who would not mate with any males that they brought in to mate with them. 
just refused to it. And in many cases, like beat up the male. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they put Frazier in with them thinking, you know, he's, he's not going to try to mate with them. So they'll leave him alone. And then they all ended up pregnant. So <laughs> this line that's on the boat is one of the descendants of Frazier. And they try to keep his bloodline going by bringing him from zoo to zoo. I mean, do you need to keep his bloodline going if he impregnated that many lionesses? Any reason to? Yeah, I guess. So. I feel like his bloodline is pretty set in stone for quite a few like centuries. That's probably true, but but they do it anyway, and this it's it's this whole cult that's formed around that exercise of bringing this descendant of Fraser to zoos and yeah, they're trying to like Genghis Khan this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Lori uh, suggests that Matt convince Kevin to come back because his is the better story. So Lori is willing to take the back seat here and let Matt do the talking when they get to Kevin, which is what Matt said he wanted in the first place. Uh, but Lori says this because she said it's the better story, uh, <laughs> which he takes some exception to that, but she refuses to acknowledge that it's true. And why isn't it true? Because Patty is dead and because Evie is dead. Well, as soon as she says Evie, Matt perks right up. Wait a minute. I, I don't know anything about Evie. What are you talking about Evie for? Lori begs Matt not to tell John and Michael that Kevin saw Evie. But this, is, this isn't why he came to talk to Lori. But he ends the conversation. Like we assume that he came to talk to Lori because to tell her that he is sick because that's the conversation he had just had with Michael. Yeah. Right. But this comes out and now I feel like this was kind of a, Oh, well, I wasn't expecting to get this nice bit of information. I forget about what I was about to tell you. I'm just going to keep this in my back pocket until I need it. This nice juicy nugget thing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and he does proceed to puke over the side of the boat. So it's possible that he ended the conversation because he had to puke. Yeah, I had puke. Most, maybe he just does like seasickness. Yeah, I'm guessing no, but. No, I don't think so, yeah. So, my guess was at this point that he's puking stuff. I'm like, I, I questioned if he has cancer again. Yeah. At this point. I think that's a, a good thing to question. <laughs> we know that he had leukemia as a child and so now we see him with nosebleeds and taking mysterious medication and puking over the side of the boat and all this stuff and so I think that's a perfectly reasonable question to ask well while he's puking God has some other uh, plans in store (laughs) yeah he throws somebody overboard allegedly I mean, unless we're seeing things that aren't true. <laughs> uh, remember during the last Matt episode, uh, he saw Mary talk to him. Uh, get him back in Miracle. Mm, that's a good point. I think we both agreed that we thought that that Mary talking was fake. I think it's probably it in uh, Matt's head. Yeah, you're, yeah that's true. So, that it true. wouldn't be the first time 
They lie to us in terms of perspective. It wouldn't be, but they, they do come up with some evidence later. So I think Matt probably is is seeing accurately here, and so are we. Just saying, maybe Matt threw uh, the person off the boat. He somehow morphed mm-hmm. into his head that God did it. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, yeah, no, no, certainly though, yeah, we see God chuck someone off the boat. Yeah, God checks somebody off the boat. Matt tries to get people to help and and go go get him, but nobody wants to listen to him. Everybody's too busy having sex, and so he takes a life preserver and just jumps in after the guy. But yeah, and then they come in too right after he jumps in. They're like, whoa, that guy just jumped in. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. A little too late. Yep, exactly. They do they do pull him out though because his rescue mission that rescue mission was unsuccessful. Uh, they pull him out out, and Matt tells the captain the story. He says David Burton did this. Uh, Matt wonders when he went from being a sports announcer to God because the captain tells him this whole story about how this was a bronze medal in the I don't remember what the event was. A decathlon, maybe. Yeah, some some sort some sort of. Oh, it doesn't matter. Does it? Does it? End? No. It okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, some sort of bronze medal. As far as I know, it doesn't matter. But you know, he says you know David Burton was this Olympian, and then he was a, a broadcaster for the Olympics, uh, and then he went on this uh, this um, rock climbing uh, excursion with a friend, fell a hundred meters, broke his neck, and died. And his friend took him to. Uh, a cave to keep him away from the animals uh, while he went to go get help to bring back his body. Uh, and when he got back to this cave, uh, Burton was fine and saying that he and said he was God. As one does. Yeah. I mean, I guess if, if you're dead and you come back, maybe that's a complex that you inherit. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been dead as far as I know. But there were no other witnesses uh, and to uh, this this crime of throwing the man overboard. Uh, so they can't arrest Burton. But John says he believes him. Matt does not believe that John believes him because then he throws it back in his face like you believe. Uh, remember, um, how did he phrase it? Oh, just like you believed that I didn't molest my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I do love the callbacks to the character that John used to be. Yeah, John, you know, he's what he used to be. Yep. And that shouldn't uh, be left behind. I, cause, you know what? I miss, I miss some, I miss old John. I do too. He was a, he was a force to be reckoned with. He, he definitely this was. This John, I mean, is, he's much more like calmer and nicer and you know, that's nice and all, but I miss the bite. I will say this: I, I miss watching the old John. Uh, I would I would much rather be hanging out with this John. Oh, certainly. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, old John. If he wants to talk to you, you don't want to talk to him. Like, exactly. There's, there's something to fuck. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. But Matt uh, finds the gatekeeper, the original gatekeeper who originally let them in, and tries to get her to understand that somebody has been thrown off the boat. Like one of her people has been thrown off the boat. She doesn't care. She's, she blows them off. And, and Matt says, all they care about is sex and Frasier. Oh, it's, it's after midnight. midnight. 
<laughs> he said, Frasier after midnight. By the way, uh, as we record this, it is not yet midnight, so I feel safe in saying Frasier. Mm-hmm. But it was midnight yesterday. Into today. That's true. It was after midnight. <laughs> okay. Uh, I still feel pretty safe in saying Frasier since there's nobody else here who's going to hook me up to a mechanical uh, semen extractor. So that's what that was. Okay. I'm guessing that's what it was. I had no clue what they were trying to do to him. I mean, I had some, I had some theories. I, I, at first, I thought they were trying to like, uh, what's it, castrate him or something. Oh. I was like, oh crap. <laughs> so at first, I thought they were yelling, "Decup him." But then I was like, oh, they're saying, "Become him." Become him. I, was like, I thought they were saying, "Decup him." I'm like, what? <laughs> Uh, castrate him <laughs> now become him so if you think about before i get to that though let me just make sure that i point out that the lioness uh the the gatekeeper blows the whistle on matt literally blows the whistle yeah another whistle blow yep yeah so I, I like that callback but anyway to answer your your question you know they they strap him down to this chair and they bring out this i guess it's like a sculpture of a lioness right mm-hmm. uh, and they turn it around which is the way that lions would have sex, right? Yeah. Uh, and they have a, a, this cup or funnel that protrudes, I guess it's on the end of the lion's tail, but um, remember the saying is, "No one, let no man speak his name lest he become him. So what do we know about Fraser? Well, we know that he had lots of sex with lots of lionesses. So I guess he's got to have sex with this lioness statue. Uh, but he does bust out of it. And when he busts out of it, he like chastises all of them for not coming, uh, not caring about the, the man uh, who was thrown overboard and they all start booing him. Yeah. And that's no fun. Boo. Right. And which is, you know, I think I, I liked seeing that because it was like, yeah, this is, it seemed like, oh my God, what are they going to do? Are they going to castrate him? And then when they start booing him, you kind of realize, oh, this is this is just for fun. This isn't like no, they're not trying to actually hurt anybody here. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to wreck his world, right? But, <laughs> but like, would you have booed him, Mister Sal? Uh, I don't ever see myself on the Fraser boat, but <laughs> I, I I I've never been part of a good booing. Oh. Like you have you ever have you ever like been part of a big crowd and booed? Oh yeah, absolutely. Really, I've never been part of a good booing. Oh really? And I I've longed for that. Yeah. Oh man. I've never, I've never honked my horn in anger at someone. I've never well, been part need, of a good booing. You need to go to a professional wrestling. I oh my course with WWE. Well, that's that that doesn't count. That's supposed to be an edge. That's <laughs> I want to boo someone that's sad to get booed. Oh, that's terrible. Why do you do that? (laughs) I wanted to be a proper boo, not like this this contrived villain that we're supposed to boo. Oh, no, Kurt, you don't want to do that. Oh, I do, though. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) I want to see how it's like. Oh, man. have Have you ever done that? Have you been part of a good booing? No, I don't want to do that. Do you want to get booed? No. Me either. <laughs> oh. I do want to give out some booings. Anyway, though. This, dreams this, aside. This is, this is making me sad. <laughs> okay, I, don't know. I, I, I do want to be able to give out some good booings. 
but I'd be willing to give it to someone that sees it coming. Okay, it is fun. Well, not WWE. <laughs> it's yeah. really uh, therapeutic. Well, it's fun because you know you know that it's what they're that's what they want. It validates them. It means they're doing their job well. Oh yeah, again the boo in the WWE. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that you're not hurting them. You're actually helping them. Okay. What if you are hurting? What if they start like crying up or start welling up on stage? I I mean, if that were the case, they wouldn't be the heel in the first place. It's not a very good heel, Mister So. <laughs> yeah, I guess they not. were built for the heel. They don't want to be a heel. Right. Oh but, man. Uh, what's it, Vince McMahon? <laughs> Vince McMahon. Oh, God, he's like the best heel ever. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Matt, uh, having got he he gets nothing from the captain. He gets nothing from the gatekeeper or the rest of the pride community. Uh, so he decides he's going to take matters in his, into his own hands. He goes up to confront Burton again and says, I know what you did. I saw you throw that man overboard and he gets a great big gut punch. Yeah. Straight in the liver. Oh yeah. Out of the count. Now at this point, something really important happens here. Uh, that is very understated. Uh, this person, this lion, uh, member of the lion pride, uh, shows up and says, You know, don't be on the boat or stay on the boat after we board, uh, until it's safe, uh, or after not after and after we dock, not after we board, uh, and stay on the boat until it's safe because they have a plan. Now, this is all very cryptic, but it's a good thing that she says this to Matt because this is going to keep Matt safe ultimately. Mm-hmm. so we'll just tuck that away for now uh matt tries to appeal to john and michael to he wants to compel burton to confess because the captain's not going to do it they're not going to arrest him the rest of the pride isn't going to do anything so it's it falls to them or i guess to him to make burton confess uh and <laughs> he says that we will compel him <laughs> i do love the idea of like we will make him confess this is a borderline they're willing to do torture this is like game of thrones ian confess Confess. even town of sale like uh yeah salem witch trials that's like confess say you're the witch yeah exactly we can can burn you didn't didn't get that far in game of thrones did you no i don't oh oh, that's good stuff but uh the confess part but uh so you didn't get to the shame bell then the shame bell. The shame bell, yeah. The, the marching through the streets, ringing the bell and going, shame. Shame. Oh, man. The shame bell. That sounds like every day, your punishment every day at noon, you'll rise to the top and you will ring the shame bell. You mean yep. the bell that everyone knows so it's noon? The shame bell. Say no more. Mm-hmm. We'll ring the shame bell every day. <laughs> Yeah, well, Matt wants to ring the shame bell on on Burton. Dude, that'd be uh, such a punishment. If I had to go every day at noon to a place <laughs> just to ring a bell, like I would be so annoyed. Because noon is just such a like an inconvenient time. <laughs> oh man, so that's like that's like lunch. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But Matt is is just hell bent on getting a confession out of Burton because men must reap what they sow. God will not be mocked. 
that's and that's what he views Burton as doing. He's he's mocking God now. So John says, "No, we're not going to be compelling anybody tonight." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's when Matt says exactly what you said earlier. What happened to your wrath? And Lori chimes in. He found peace. Well, Lori sticking her nose in here uh, says, uh, prompts Matt to say, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I have that thing in my pocket. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, Evie. I think I dropped something. Yeah. Oh, man. what is He's a real jerk about this. This is like, this is bad stuff. Oh, he, he didn't mean to say it, though. Oh, no, of course not. Anyway, though. Of course not. But like John's okay with it because when Laurie says, I just didn't want to hurt you, he says, I understand. I wouldn't have told me either. (laughs) And (laughs) that's like Matt now just seems defeated. Like that was his last ditch effort. I got to get John on my side. Got to bring the wrath of John back up to the surface. Oh, this will do it. I was really hoping it would bring the Wrath of John straight yeah. back. Maybe it will. Maybe he's just pretending to keep it cool. That's what, that's what the Wrath of John, that's what real John will do. You're that's right. Real John. Like, he's just fake it like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then he gets there, and he brings hell on earth. He starts picking up cars, throwing them through buildings. Where's Evie? Library, <laughs> you say. Angry John, no read. And then, you know, he stomps in through. Angry John, no read. And he, he like this, yeah. Oh my god. Where he? <laughs> so, I, I'd like to see that. Oh my god. Well, he doesn't do any of that. Uh, but uh, it does take the wind right out of Matt's sails. He realizes he doesn't really have anybody who's going to help him with this. So he says he's going to the infirmary to sleep, but instead he goes to the infirmary and gets a wheelchair and an axe. And he goes up to the top deck to confront Burton a third time. And this time, doesn't give Burton an opportunity to really say or do anything. Just hits him with the axe and knocks him out. Yeah, blunt side. And... Yeah, I don't care how blunt it is. I, I mean, I don't want to get hit with this axe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't want to get hit in general either. I agree. Yeah. Not, 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 a good, not a good outcome for, for me. Not what I'm looking for. And, you know, I I like seeing Matt be imperfect. Like, this is this is good because it reminds us that he's just a person. You know, he's he claims to be holier than thou, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's the one on the top deck whacking guys with axes. Yeah, well, at least it doesn't lie. So. Hmm. Solace in that. So this is one of the reasons. Maybe, maybe why... some solace for tired feet. Oh, maybe. Maybe, but this is one of the reasons why uh, at the, in the season finale of season two, you you had a problem with Mary saying that she remembered. Him yeah. That. Um, but this is another one of the illustration to me of the fact that Matt is far from perfect. Like he he has plenty of of uh, flaws that would indicate that he has uh, some rage issues. Some. I just- I really like that flaw. That was the thing. I know, I know you did, but he's got violence issues, like it, inherently. So they're they're there. So anyway, uh, I I do like this that he does this. Although uh, this is 
pretty extreme. <laughs> I, I, I think most people are probably dead if you hit them over the head with an axe, blunt or not. So, but Is so? one whack. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I guess it depends on where you get hit, but no, nah, it's true where you hit them. But I, I think people would take a wall up on the head. These axes, have you ever picked up an axe this size? No, they are freaking heavy like, really, really heavy. Like, I'm surprised Matt can get this kind of swing in on him. Like, Matt must be pretty buff because this is like. That is not easy to do. He's chopped a lot of firewood. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. But he ties him up to the wheelchair and he takes him up to the top deck. Or no, not to the top deck. He takes him to the lion cage. Yes. Well, surprisingly, everyone is partying in this lion's name, though. The poor lion is just, like, alone. I know. This is yeah, this poor guy. I thought he'd be, like, the main thing about the party. Like, they're all partying around the lion. Right. Yeah. He's just, he's just. I guess the point is to bring the lion to the zoos. Yeah, but no one actually likes the lion. I like guess a jerk. <laughs> not like Fraser. Not like his dad. No. Uh, not like the OG. Yeah, nothing like the OG. <laughs> but oh, I forgot to mention too that Matt throws Burton's book overboard. Oh yeah, you're right. Just to put salt in the wood. A, a, a quick. So wait, wait, just because I said this, lions could live to be ninety-one. I guess, I guess. Frazier. Okay. I'm going to look up average lifespan for a lion. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> but. What? What? What is it? It's 10 to 14 years in the wild, in captivity. It is 25 years old is the average lion. Whoa. How did Frazier live to be 91? Frazier the lion. I'll have to correct it right to it. Uh, maybe he wasn't 91, was he? Maybe it was 91 lion years. Oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally was, I think. Cause, like, an aging circus lion from Mexico was given uh, faculty in Ivory, somewhere in California, in 1970. Already 18 years old, analogous to human aged 80 plus. The lion was toothless. Named Frazier. Okay, already how how many years old was he? He's eighteen years old. Eighteen, okay. Despite uh, his advanced age, he fathered, so he was eighteen. Okay, was okay, but that's eighty plus in human years. Right. Okay, fine. And he died in two years later, so he died twenty. Okay. Okay. Right. I was so thinking that, that was okay. Zelda. I'm glad we know that now. Yeah. Bit of an over exaggeration, but okay. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a little bit, but I mean, I, I blame Sarah Vaughn for that, not Damon Lindelof. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Matt has tied up a Burton, brought him in a wheelchair to the lion, the lion's den, literally. And uh, Burton says, you're going to untie me once you get what you want, which turns out to be my attention. Now, Matt and Matt easily gets him to confess, to confess, but Burton also says that he will not turn himself in. I did it, Bob. Yeah. And what of it? <laughs> it's like he says, "Admit that you threw that man overboard, okay?" And will you turn yourself in? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but yeah it's it's it, it, this is i love this scene this is my favorite scene in the episode this is fan- oh, it's a good to read scene yeah it's fantastic stuff um and he matt brings up the card and says i noticed there's nothing about jesus here <laughs> your son yeah he's like oh no he wasn't my son <laughs> mary you're denying paternity says matt mary's word versus mine mary's word versus mine. <laughs> oh man and he says that, that jesus didn't even uh raise rise from the dead oh you're stealing his, his story though he says so you, you're you won't Admit that he's your son, but you're stealing his story. And Burton says, "No, he didn't. He he didn't die uh, and rise from the dead. He had a twin that that was walking around." Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. But you know, you got to give Burton some credit because he has an answer for everything. He does. Yeah, he's ready. Look on yeah. the drawing. He's pretty calm, isn't? He? Yeah. Never gets emotional. So he won't take credit for Jesus. Uh, but he will take credit for the departure. He said, "No, they, that was me. Yeah, that and, that one, that was me." Just yeah, and 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 Matt says, "Well, why why would you do that?" He says, "Because I could." <laughs> Dude, that's 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 unacceptable to Matt. Yeah, there, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. Everything I've done, everything I've sacrificed, all the suffering I did was for. And now he says for you to David Burton, mm-hmm. he doesn't say for God or for a reason or for my belief or for my faith. He says for you. So like something has shifted in Matt here where all of a sudden it really seems like he's believing this guy. He do- yeah. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Cause he never, he never referred to him as God before he was calling him into question and interrogating him about it. And now he's saying everything I've done was for you, David Burton. (laughs) And of course, this is the whole Walter White thing here because David Burton says, no, you didn't do it for me. You did it because you thought I was watching because you thought I was judging. He says, I wasn't, I'm not, you haven't done anything for me. You've done it for yourself. So now, you can imagine, well, first of all, I said Walter White, so let me just back this up. So the, the idea here is that Matt maybe is about to recognize that he hasn't been, like his his altruism was selfish, not actually altruistic. Yeah, he's pretending so. like he's doing it for others, but really his driving motivating factor is he wants it to be done. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, especially with the Flyers in season one, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, I remember we talked about that extensively. Who was that for? That that was for him. That's because he felt left out, but because he didn't, he wasn't part of the departure. So because he wasn't part of the departure, obviously it must not have been the rapture. Because if anybody was going to be raptured, it would have been him. And so he has to hand out these flyers to make himself feel better. It's not for God. It's not for his faith or his church or anything like that. If anything, it's hurting his church. Yeah, it really hurt the numbers, yeah. Yeah, so so this is this is exactly what you you were what we were thinking when we thought about those flyers. But this really, I mean, turns Matt. This is this is a this strikes him like a bolt of lightning. Like it, it's, it's it, he's never even thought of this before, but now you can kind of see that 
David Burton's right about this. Now, that doesn't mean David Burton's God. Like anybody could say that to anybody and be right. <laughs> In most cases, charity is not for any truly altruistic reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normally, you know, normally there's something behind it. Right. Normally you're getting something out of it too. So, and I don't just mean charity, like giving to the poor. I mean, like doing right, doing good. Uh, I mean, I, I know plenty of people who are, are deeply religious and uh, really the reason they behave the way they behave is because of exactly what David Burton says here. here uh, you thought I was watching and judging. And of course, David Burton says that he wasn't and he's yeah. not. So, yeah. But David, oh no, Matt says, is that why you're killing me? So this is our, is this our first indication? I think it is. It's the first time Matt ever hints that he's dying. Right. We actually he's it. Sick, but we don't know that he's dying. So, uh, and David technically, technically though, isn't everyone dying? Right. Yes. And furthermore, Mr. Sal. Yes. I'm pretty sure every th- you you live for three minutes, and every time you breathe, you reset the timer. So you're saying you could live for three minutes without breathing? Yeah. That makes me want to breathe more. <laughs> anyway, go on. Just remember, don't forget about that timer. Go on. Okay. Gotcha. All right. But David Burton affirms that yes, this this is this is why I'm killing you because you've only done selfish acts, nothing for me. He says, but I can save you again, like I did back then. And Matt disagrees. No, he can't. And oh, but I can. Yeah, Burton, Burton says, well, "Untie me, and I'll show you." <laughs> 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 which, which I don't know why Matt unties him here. Because I mean, the only reason Matt would untie him here is that he's actually buying into this, which I think he fully is right now. Yeah, I listen. If you're Matt, you untie him. He snaps, and then you tie him back. I'm like, aha! I got what I needed from you. <laughs> then he's like, I'm you again now. No. Well, no, I think I think the reason he unties him here is because he actually believes that this man is God now. He does. Yeah, no, he totally buys it. And I wonder how Matt looks at the world after this episode. Because the end it's is so interesting to me. Isn't it? like, that's, I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder how Matt's viewpoints changed. That is the big question to come out of this episode. We are going to definitely see Matt again. I this hope. I was like, we didn't see him again. They traveled yeah. all the way to Melbourne, and then that's it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this this is not the last we'll see of Matt, uh, but it will be interesting to see how re- how he reacts to this because this this guy says he's going to save him, and he snaps his fingers, says, "Ta-da, you're saved." <laughs> now, I don't know what Matt's thinking there. But it seems like at this point, Matt either I I think it could go either way. Either he continues believing that this was God or he recognizes now that this was, that he was foolish to ever believe that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how his health is moving forward. Yeah. Well, what we're going to see, I think we get a big hint as to what his attitude is toward this man uh, by the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we don't get to see much of his reaction to this uh, because the next scene is the captain uh Matt's up on the deck. It's the next day. It's morning. Uh, so I guess you could probably say Frazier now. 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> but uh, Matt's up on the on the top deck, and and the captain comes out and says that, that he was right. A fishing boat found a body, and Burton's going to be taken into custody. And he asks Matt if he would be willing to give a police statement. Uh, in Melbourne, uh, as soon as he gets off the boat, assuming you don't have any pressing business in Melbourne, which is the key to this whole thing, because Matt now says, no, I don't. So, so this went two ways for me. Yep. And I don't know. So I don't, so first of all, it just says he does not have pressing matters. Right. So, First of all, he came here looking for Kevin, which to him is like the utmost important thing ever. So yep. his viewpoint has changed on this. And what I don't know is if he doesn't believe that uh, this is God, or if he does believe this is God, because here's why. If he's going there to give like a witness testimony or whatever to the cops, I wonder if it's because he wants to help save God from custody. Right. Or if he want, or he's just like, no, but he's also not God, and he wants to put him in custody but he's opened up matt's mind to the possibilities that you know what what if it all was for no reason anyway right um, but I, but i think matt believes that he is god and they're probably gonna help him oh you do i i think so maybe not <laughs> yeah you're surprised it makes you wonder but yeah. what that's definitely one thing that i that i considered that he believes that that burton is god but i think if he believes burton is god I think that what he would have said here is uh, actually I do have pressing business. So I, I, I actually don't think I actually saw what I saw. I think that he did not throw anybody over. I think I, well, was I, think, I, I think that's where you say that in the testimony. Cause they found the body. Right. But he can say, I, I think I was wrong. I, I don't think it was this man. I think it was somebody else who threw the, or, or the guy. Just between threw. That thing there. Yeah. So, Fair enough, then. so I did think about that, but I, but I kind of just missed it at that point i i think that there are two other possibilities here uh and i, I think i well i think i know which one i like better and we'll, maybe you can tell me which, you, which one you like better the first is that uh he may have given up on his faith altogether so that the fact that um that he had this encounter with David Burton has caused him to completely lose his faith. It's okay. gone. So nothing about Kevin matters anymore to him. Nothing about David Burton matters anymore to him. Uh, this trip is for nothing. Uh, and so he, he is now a faithless man. That That's the first interpretation. Um, the one that I like better <laughs> because I, I, this is, that's not the way I want my mat. So the, the one that I like better is this. I think that there's a good chance that he's incredibly disappointed in himself for believing that Burton was God. And he sees, he has now recognized in himself, in himself a propensity to misplace his faith mm -hmm. and now questioning uh, the validity of how he has placed his faith in Kevin. Most misplaced their faith, like a grace. Say that again. We've talked about some people misplacing their faith. Oh well, I mean that—that's the point of the Millerites in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, they we're, we're looking at misplaced faith. I mean, I would argue that uh, yes, Grace was was a big one of misplaced faith. You know, she she put all her faith in the idea that her children departed, but they didn't. They were wandering around the wilderness. 
I like I like your second interpretation more. I do too. Right. So I, I mean I I and I think that's kind of backed up by the the last line that we get in the episode because I I think his faith may have been shaken, but I think also he's recognized in himself that he has a propensity to place his faith in the wrong things. Um, And so maybe he needs to drop this whole Kevin thing, but, uh, and he's, he's much more, he seems much more at peace now and he's talking with the rest of the crew, not the, not the ship's crew, but John Michael Laurie. Um, And he thanks them all for coming and he tells them, that he's dying so he obviously i think does not believe david burton is god at this point because if he did believe david burton was god right yeah he wouldn't he believed that he was saved mm-hmm. right so uh i think that he sees in david burton what kevin could become mm-hmm. if if he so if matt keeps pushing kevin in this direction he sees that Kevin could become like David Burton and he doesn't want to make that happen. Okay. Which is why he doesn't have any pressing business in Melbourne anymore. Interesting. That's, that's my interpretation of it. I don't know. What do you think of that? I like that interpretation. Okay. I, I, I all I would add to that is um, John is also here to uh, search the city's in and outs a vigilante of the night. Searching for the one and only Evie Murphy. Well, do you think he'll he'll be searching for Evie now? Because he... I think I think I don't think this is the end of John and Evie. Okay. I hope it isn't. I hope at least he gives it one more crack, or at least he talks about it. Or it's at least brought up again. Whether someone spit it back down or like Kevin says no, it's not her. Or like so, just just something. Gotcha. But I would, I would like to see another thing of you. Well, I, I think you're going to see some... I think you're right, and I think you're going to see some stuff next episode. So, so Preferably old John. No. <laughs> but... I don't know if you're going to get old John back. <laughs> but we'll see about that. Uh, at this point, they're, they're, they've docked. People are disembarking from the ship. The police come for Burton and he runs just at the same time that the lion gets that the, that crew of people with the plan uh, release the lion from the cage and the lion runs him down. This is, I, I thought this was amazing just to, to see this. I was like, what, how do they do that? That, that looked like an actual, you so? what you thought that you liked the way that looked. Oh, I thought it looked I, like- I felt like I could tell the CGI. I was like, eh. okay. All right, you know, we're, we're two people of different branches here. I was like, ah, I mean, it's cool. But I can't <laughs> okay. CGI. Maybe I'll look at it again because uh, I, I was, maybe I was just, you know, overwhelmed by by the fact that it was happening. But you know, this, <laughs> I mean, the, this lion just takes the, the guy down and is mauling him. They're, they're, I mean, this this guy's clearly gonna die. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gone. Yeah, um, and. We they, they pan away from that to to the back of Matt's head and we hear gunshots so we can only assume that the that the lion is dead now too, yeah. um, which is kind of ironic because you assume that the group of people who freed him were doing it to set him free and ended up killing him, but anyway Matt turns around looks right at the camera and says 
that's the guy I was telling you about. <laughs> so to me, that's an, another indication that, oh yeah, see, this guy, this guy. That's, yeah, that's the guy right there. <laughs> this, this, this guy is, is pretending to be God. He's not God. Look, he just got mauled by a lion. <laughs> no guy gets mauled by a lion. <laughs> so. Did she kind of get mauled by a lion? Yeah, so I I don't think Matt's faith has been shaken here. I think that his faith has, if anything, been uh, just kind of reconstituted in a probably healthier way. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I I think yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that you know he sees what he considers to be such deep blasphemy from David Burton, and he probably is questioning what's the difference between what's he what he's saying and what I'm saying about Kevin. So I don't want to be the blasphemer here. I think this is, this has got to stop. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's the end of the episode. I, I love it. I'm very excited because now all of our main characters are in Melbourne. Except for Tommy. Or around Melbourne. Okay. Tommy. Yeah, fine. Tommy, Jill, Erica. They're not. Okay. Amy, she's not. The twins are not. That's fine. Dean. Dean. <laughs> Who's the Deanster? <laughs> the yeah. Dean man. So, yeah. Eh, anyway. Deanawana. Uh, <laughs> okay. But Dean we've got. Plastic. Okay. So <laughs> we've got Kevin. We've got Nora. We've got Kevin Sr. We've got Matt. We've got Lori. We've got John. We've got Michael. They're all in Australia now. Grace. Are you considering her a main character? No, no, no. I mean, I she she's, she's in the car. She's with Senior and Kevin. Yep. So I mean, she's she's got a significant role to play, but I I don't know that I call her a main character of the series. So oh, gave a great monologue though. Holy cow! Good monologue. <laughs> really, really thought I saw which way that one was going. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about this episode? No. Uh, for next episode, I just want to make sure there, there's there's homework. What? If if I if I'm not mistaken, last episode you said two episodes from now, which would mean this upcoming episode. I should keep very particular attention to the intro. Oh yes, you definitely should. Very particular. Yes. The, uh, the the two intros thereafter in the last two episodes, you don't need to pay nearly as close attention to. But I, I would say I wouldn't say this is any more relevant um, to than the intro for Don't Be Ridiculous or uh, Crazy Whitefellow Thinking or Good Day Melbourne. Okay. I think that, you know, this just the. This is like the last important intro. Right. The opening song informs what you're about to see. Okay. I would not say that this one did unless you speak French. Yeah. So okay. I'm I'm interested. Maybe we'll get to see the hotel again. Maybe we'll get to hear Kevin sing. Mm. I'm nothing would make me happier, Mr. South says. <laughs> I hope he sings Homeward Bound again. I know you do. I know. <laughs> so only three episodes left. Yeah, riveting. Yeah, this this next one. Do you want me to tell you uh, the point of view of this next one, or do you want me to let it be? I'll leave it to your discretion. 
Okay. Well, I can tell you, I'm going to tell you because you're going to, you're going to pick it up in the very first scene anyway. So this is a, this is a Lori episode, this next episode. Really? Yes. Those sons of guns. I want to see what's going on with Kevin. Oh, no, you're going to see Kevin too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't you worry. Uh, This, this, this episode features all of the main players. So we've got Kevin, we've got Nora, we've got, uh, John, Michael, Lori. We've got Grace, yeah. Senior and Grace. We've got we've got all of them in this episode. Grace. Virgil. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my friend. Virgil is is gone. Howard. Howard. <laughs> he was he was a, he was a guilty remnant. Tommy, and um. Oh my uh, God. Lori turned over. I noted his name, but he never he never came. <laughs> to, uh, it never came to pass. Okay. Another one is named Susan. Yeah, Susan, Susan was a much bigger player, but I don't think well, we're Howard was <laughs> Doctor Victor. <laughs> that was his name. The Doctor Victor, oh, like Doctor Arts. How about, about, about Doctor Goodhart? Brian Goodhart. No, uh, I think we're done with Brian. Okay. So, so, you know, she... since you brought Howard up, I just want to mention. I always, <laughs> I always picture Howard as a clockmaker. <laughs> I don't know. Howard Duck? No, not Howard the Duck. No, the Howard from the Guilty Remnant. He just always struck me as a clockmaker. I think he's like fixing a watch or something, or they take a watch from him the first time we see that we see him. But he just looks like a clockmaker to me. I don't know why. Oh boy. Anyway, but yeah, so we're we're getting a Lori episode next week, but it's a it's a Lori episode that is nicely sprinkled with the rest of the cast as well. Okay. So I'm interested to see how you feel about that episode. That's a that's an interesting episode, but we'll see how it goes. All right, anything else? Uh no. Okay, I think that's as, as good a place as any to end it. Folks, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. Uh please feel free to share with anybody or anything that you are capable of sharing with. Uh five star reviews are very appreciated and I think that with that, it is approaching midnight, so we need to be careful not to say his name lest we become him.